Hey folks, I'm Jason. And I'm Eric. I teach people how to raise livestock on the land. And I teach people the Bible. I play a little banjo. And I play bass. I'm a passionate bow hunter. And I'm a die-hard Badgers fan. Together we're just two common folk trying to pursue Jesus. And live out our faith beyond Sunday's sermon. Well, good morning. Good morning. So, uh, I spent, or me and my family spent the last week in the Northwoods. That's awesome. And uh, so I'm going through emails here trying to get caught back up, and I've been out of the loop for a while, so yep. um, I'm going to be a little bit lost here this morning, but that's okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I always think, like, I think of vacations as almost like it's like a, you, you're stealing from Peter to pay Paul, and that's why I... My wife is is not always a big fan of how little I appreciate vacations, but sometimes I feel like any rest I get in the vacation, I have to pay for before and after. It's oh, like yeah. it doesn't really feel like I'm just getting something for free. It feels right. like it's like, well, I have to pay for it before and behind. And so I know I don't, I know I should appreciate vacations more and not be worried about that, but I can't help but think, like even on vacation, like what's my email list going to look like when I yeah. get back? But that's, I don't encourage people to view it that way. I don't think it's right. very healthy. Um, but I'm glad you're back, and it seems like, seems like you guys had a good time. Yeah, it was good. Um, got um, plenty of time on the water. Uh, we did get some rain back at home here while we, we were gone, so thankful for that. Did you get any rain there? Uh, it rained up north a little bit almost every day. But it was still, there were still parts of every day that were nice enough to do stuff outside. So, well, then that works perfect. So you can just kind of plan stuff around. It was a nice. little bit disheartening. I shouldn't say disheartening, but at first we were getting all that rain up there, and I was like, oh, this is great. And then I, one morning I checked our weather here, and it was like, out of all that, we had like a tenth of an inch. And I was really? like, are you kidding me? <laughs> but then uh, the first day we were back, a couple of us, uh, me and a couple of my boys came back a couple days early because it's just it's really hard like finding people to take care of the farm for five or six days is hard enough but then through two weekends is almost impossible yeah. so we just came back and our first night back we just got dumped on and we were smiling we yeah. were happy so. we got we had a couple good storms by us of just all just good rain which was needed my grass is much less crispy yeah. than it had been for the majority of the the summer so it's yeah. a kind of interesting because like the couple weeks leading up to vacation is always like you alluded to is always hard anyway because you're trying to prep everything for being gone but it was even harder this time around because our pastures were like running out so fast mm -hmm. and so we had been coordinating getting animals off the farm mm -hmm. and now we did that so uh in fact the day that we left for going up north jocelyn left a couple hours before uh me and timothy because we had to stay back and load some animals on a truck to get them out of here yeah and so we did that just to relieve the pastures a little bit. And now we got rain and they just took off. And I was like, huh, maybe didn't have to do that. But yeah, but you it's never kind know. of just the way life goes. It's like boom or bust, you yeah. know, from one road ditch to the other constantly. 
Exactly. You you can all, you make the best decision you can make with the information that you have. And that's, I mean, even in ministry, I do that all the time where it's like, all right, looking back, maybe I should have done this or that. But like, if I can be like, look, I, I truly believe I made the best decision that I could make with the information that I had at that time. It's like, I didn't have the information I had now. So yeah. it's like, you just, that's all you can ever do. And that's, even for me, that's a, I used to put that pressure on myself of like, well, you just need to make the decision that achieves the right outcome. And it's like, that's an impossible, like expectation to put on yourself. So now it's like, just make the decision to where you can look back and say, Hey, I'm still proud of the decision I made based on the information I had at the time. Yeah. I think hindsight is only helpful if it can help us Mm -hmm. in future decision making. Mm -hmm. But like to spend much time looking at it is probably not advisable. I mean, I just think about all the different things over the years I've done, like spent a lot of time on on something and only to find out I didn't need to do that. Or, I mean, the big one is money. Like that's almost sometimes crippling if you sit and look back on all the things that you've spent money on that in hindsight you either shouldn't have or didn't need to or could have done something. And it's like not that useful to spend a whole lot of time looking back at that yep. unless it's going to avoid you making a mistake in the future. Absolutely. And I mean, one of the only things that I get from looking back is like just learning to be like, because I tend to be somebody, I don't like things floating. I want to like... I want them to be decided. I want them yeah. to be nailed down, buttoned down. And so sometimes I will make decisions before I have to just because I don't want them floating around. And that's something that I've learned looking back is like if I would have waited, there was a crucial piece of information that I could have gotten before I had to make that decision. Yeah. And that, But that is also a dance because you can just start to procrastinate everything until you absolutely have to make the decision, and that's not healthy either. So the just an interesting uh, thing related to that. So like our farm here um, is a partnership between me and my father-in-law, and we couldn't be too more opposite people he's very numbers minded he is a engineer Mm -hmm. um and at the end of his career and i'm at the you know earlier i guess first half maybe still Mm -hmm. of my career so we're just we have two totally different perspectives of everything but like he's very slow and methodical and calculated and likes to like really study up on stuff and make sure that every move is figured out beforehand and I'm the total opposite and sometimes that gives him anxiety but now we've been down this road far enough or doing this together long enough that he understands that's how I have to operate so I'll I'll see something that needs to be done and I'll just do it Mm-hmm. He'll see something that needs to be done and he'll spend time researching it and figuring it out. Yep. The problem with just doing it is about 50% of the time you do it wrong yep. and then you have to adjust it. Yep. But the benefit of that mentality or mindset is you get stuff done. Yep, absolutely. And you're, and you're right. And I think it is, it's that, what I have to ask myself, and it's not a perfect thing, is when I'm when I'm rushing to make a decision... 
It's, am, am, do, am I forcing myself to make this decision because this is the right time to make it? Because like, and there are those things. It's like, yeah, I could put this off. I could procrastinate it. But I know in my, in my heart, this is the right, this, this needs to be decided. Or am I doing it just because I don't want it floating around in my head anymore? And this probably is early, but I'm just doing it because I don't want to have to deal with Right. processing it anymore and I want to be able to zip it up and say okay we're, we're moving on and that's what's hard because like you said there there are times where it's like you gotta you gotta hit it you gotta get it done and then there are times where it's like no if you give it a little bit more time there's going to be more information that's going to help you make a much better decision on it and so that's how I've kind of learned is like to truly ask myself why is it that I I want to make this decision right now? Is it because I truly believe this is the right time or is it because I just don't want to have to think about it anymore and I want right. to be able to move on? And so I can sometimes look reckless mm-hmm. um, or impulsive. And sometimes it is. I guess, you know, there's a difference between being impulsive and being motivated to just get stuff done. Yeah. And um, so does this have anything to do with what you preached yesterday? Like, is I, there any way you can make a connection? Oh, I can. Because actually, because what we started was a new series on counting the cost. And I actually talked about how, like, we do this all the time. In our brain, we're constantly calculating what we should or shouldn't do and what the cost benefit is. And that's in a business, it's a cost benefit analysis. Yeah. And, and we do this in our brains all the time. And I gave the example of, you know, if, if you're having taco night and it's like everything's ready and all of a sudden you realize you don't have sour cream, you're going to be like, is it worth it for me to run to the store or do I just leave it as is? And you're doing the cost benefit analysis on it. And that was a silly example, but we're doing this all the time. And I think even with decision making, I think there are times where I've done that where it's like, I'm going to just do, do this and have it done. And if I, even if I have to go back and redo it, it's worth it for me because I don't want to have to think about this anymore. So I'm just going to do it the way that makes sense right now. If I have to go back and do it again, that's worth it. I'm willing to pay that to not have a thousand things mm-hmm. floating around in my head. And I think that's the different for you. That cost is probably worth it. Where if you're like, yeah, I got to go back and redo some things, but that's all right. I'd much rather have to go back and redo something every once in a while than constantly be just letting things just drag on and not getting done. Yeah. Whereas your father-in-law is probably somebody where like that caught, maybe he absolutely hates to go back and redo things. So for him, it's like the cost of really researching, really waiting, thinking about it for a long period of time. That is worth it to him. That cost is much more worth it. And I think, I mean, a big part of my sermon was just talking about that's, we all have to do that in our life is decide what cost we're willing to pay. Everything has a cost. Nothing is free. So the question is not whether you're going to pay a cost. The question is what cost are you going to deem what you want to pay and worth it for what you get? Um, So we just talked about, you know, I, I, I just made the point of like, we looked at Jesus' parables of, of, you know, we looked at a few different ones, but the main one was the one you'd be thinking of is, is the man who started building a tower and ran out of money. Um, and just this idea of if, if we're going to be true followers of Jesus, then it means it's going to cost us everything. That's what Jesus said. And, and we, 
it's easy for us to be like, hey, just say the sinner's prayer, accept Jesus in your heart, and then that's that's good. Um, but that's just simply not what Jesus taught. He's like, okay, now you gotta you gotta give up everything and follow me. Um, and how we don't always teach that at church of like count the cost because you're now being called to follow Jesus, which means you have to give up everything to do it. That reminds a long time ago. I read the book Radical by David Platt. Mm-hmm. Have you read that? I have. It's been a while. But yeah, I it's have. been yeah. probably 10, 12 years. But yeah. I believe that's the premise of that book, if I recall correctly. He, he quotes that scripture sort of at the beginning and then builds everything around that. And what he really focused on was when Jesus said that, how sad it made the the people who he was telling the story to like they were truly like what we have to give up like what do you mean by everything one specifically because because there's there's the the scripture i read with where he talked to the large crowds but then there's the rich young ruler who he specifically said like you have to give up everything and he was very specific of like go sell all your possessions right now and i think that's the one in radical that he references because in that scripture it specifically says he walked away sad i mean he, he mourned it because he knew he couldn't he couldn't do it um and that's what i even said on sunday i was like i'm not i'm not telling you you have to leave church today and go sell all your possessions and go live in a ditch. But if if there is if there's something you're holding on to, that if Jesus calls you to follow him and it requires you to let go of that and you're not willing to let go of that, then you can't follow Jesus. You can't have anything holding you back. It doesn't mean you're not allowed to have possessions, but your possessions cannot be able to hold you where you are because now you are no, not free to follow Jesus. And that's a, he's like, unless you carry your cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. So it's like, if we're not free to follow, we're not his disciples. Um, and it was a little bit of a harder message, but yeah. I just, I felt really strongly um, that, was that it we hard? need to know. And was it hard? Are you saying that it was hard to teach or hard to talk about or hard for people to to accept or well and I don't know if it was hard for people to accept it felt like it was a a more challenging okay. message it was easy to teach on cuz it was like I mean I said multiple times like these aren't my words like I'm yeah. literally just reading word for word what Jesus taught and so it it really wasn't a hard one to teach on it was just like you know, feeling a little bit like I had to hold some some feet to the fire of like, yeah. hey, like, you know, and the main thing I, I talked about is it's interesting because in, when Jesus had his ministry, there were, there were many times where there was large crowds there. And it, it says that there were large crowds traveling with Jesus. But then when he called them to follow him, they all kind of dispersed and he was left with a very small group of followers. And, and just talking through the difference between being a traveler and being a follower of Jesus is mm-hmm. it's, it doesn't really cost much to travel with Jesus. Cause it's like, Hey, you're already going the direction I want to go and you're doing miracles. And, and I like what you're saying, but to make that transition from like, I'm not just traveling alongside of you for a season. I'm going to, 
follow you, you have to be willing to give up everything. And I just think that right now, especially in the Church of America, we have a lot of travelers. But I don't know how many of us can really say we're followers of Jesus. Yeah. And and I think that's a difficult that's a difficult thing to to teach on just because it's very challenging. Um, but I also know we all need to consistently, the Bible says, work out our salvation with fear and trembling of just ask, am I a follower of Jesus or am I just traveling with him for right now? And as soon as things get really challenging, as soon as things get really hard, I'm free to go my own way. Um, because a follower doesn't have that. A follower is like, I'm all in. Wherever you go, I'm going with you. So it's like, uh, this is a, this, I know this is going to, this analogy is going to kind of cheapen it a little bit, but it's like a fair weather fan versus like a true fan. (laughs) Absolutely. I don't think it cheapens it at all. I think it's, it's, uh, it's a great analogy. Yeah. I mean, it's someone who rides with their team, someone who cheers for the green and gold when they have winning seasons and losing seasons. Absolutely. And someone who, as soon as they are, you know, not on top, sells off all their gear and cheers for someone else. Yes, or just puts it in their closet for yeah. when, it's, when they're doing good again. Yeah. I do, and I just think it's like, you know, when, when we say the sinner's prayer, we say, you know, Jesus, I, I invite you to be my Lord. And it's like, I don't know if we've explained to people very well what it means to acknowledge someone as your Lord because you're yeah. then making them your master. And, um, you know, that's that's a pretty intense thing to, like, acknowledge is, okay, Jesus, you're now my, my master. And, you know, and I think a lot of these are just very unpopular things in our yeah. modern-day society but the Bible is just very clear. Like either you're going to be a slave to sin or you're going to be a slave to Jesus. There's no other option. Um, and I think we want to be like, no, I'm going to be my own master, but that just doesn't work that way. Either you're going to serve Jesus or you're going to serve like sin. Those are going to be your two options. And I think we, we want to feel like we've got that third option of like, no, I'm just going to be my own person. And it's like, no, then then you're a slave to sin still. That's just what it is. And so I think I think that's where a lot of the I can just travel alongside Jesus, but I'm still in control. And if he if he makes a turn I don't want to make, then I'll I'll just go my own way. Um and that way I can hold on to what I want to hold on to. And I don't think we realize that that's we're not really in control then. We're still right. serving our sin. If we do that, I mean, this is, I'm just sitting here like, uh, surveying myself as you're describing that. And it's hard. Like it is really hard, uh, to come to terms with, uh, if you view yourself through that lens, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just think about like just the last week of my life. So like we were on vacation, but I mean, vacation with a family of seven people is still very busy. Yes. And then, you know, what is my mind consumed by the whole time I'm on vacation? It's hopefully everything's getting taken care of. And, 
Um, what do I have to do next? What are the things I'm going to have to do as soon as I get home? And then we leave from vacation or just sort of thrust right back into the busyness of life, which is distractions everywhere and stuff all the time. And I'm constantly kind of wrestling with this tension of, is there too much going on? What am I allowing um, to you know, take up time in my family, demand of our time and resources and energy. Like these are things that I'm wrestling with all the time. And in the meantime, the more you wrestle with it, the more the train just continues going on down the track and you're sort of just left with sort of the condition that most people in America and probably across the world are living in is just this constant state of being busy and distracted and just being weighed down by all of these things that individually aren't necessarily bad, mm-hmm. but you just add them up and it's just a lot. Yes. And so that's just an honest assessment of myself right now. Like that is this constant tension absolutely want and I was even I was very honest when I gave the message of like I've had seasons in my life where I was absolutely just a traveler where I was like hey I've got I've got these things I'm holding on to that Jesus if you call me somewhere where I have to give it up I'm not gonna go I mean and that's just being honest I've had those seasons and I've I've you know and, and, and like I told the church that's when I've been the most miserable is in those seasons because then you don't have a home. You can't follow Jesus in the way you need to for him to be your true home, but you're also not really part of the world either. You're trying to live in both worlds, which makes you just, you have no home. You're just constantly running back and forth between Jesus and the world. None of them really not being able to fully engage with either one and you're just this nomad and that's when I've been the most miserable in my whole life is when I've tried to hold on to the world and Jesus at the same time and I gave the example of like electricity just holding on to both ends of the wire at the same time it doesn't work very good for you and and that's really what what it's like when you're trying to live in both worlds and I think I think, like you said, so many of us are there. And being a pastor, I just talk to people and we're all there. We're all like, man, this is this is too much and this doesn't feel right. Um, but what do we do? And I just, I don't have any easy answers. But I, what I love about even just looking at this teaching of Jesus is I think one of the main problems with our culture right now is that we we focus so much on the destination on like the life we want as far as like the end goal of what what do we want you know we what do we want as far as a house goes or a family goes or or things like that and I don't think that's necessarily wrong but I think it's what Jesus is calling us to is to focus just on the actual like trip itself of like not the arrival, not like one day I'm going to arrive and everything's going to feel great, but just like, what do I want the journey to be like? And whether that's, you know, things are going to fluctuate, things are going to change, there's going to be good times, bad times, but it's just the idea of Jesus is like, I'm not, 
I'm not calling you to a destination. I'm calling you to a journey. Like, follow me. And I think that when we are, are looking at success as a certain arrival point or a, dest- or a destination, that's where it's really easy to get lost in the busyness and the distractions because you're trying to make a certain thing happen. Whereas the freedom of like, success is just following Jesus and there's going to be different destinations along the way, different arrival points. But really the main focus is the journey. What do I want the journey to feel like? And I think at least for me, when I focus on that, it makes a lot more sense. I don't know. Does this make any sense? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Cause it's, I think someone else said, I can't remember who, but it's like, if you focus on results, you're just going to be miserable. Like that's just the reality of it. I just have like this overwhelming thought as you're describing that of like, it's just like this perpetual chasing of our tails and like, we're never going to get what we're after. Yeah. Whether, and everyone has a different definition of success in their own eyes and in their own life. But the reality is, is, even if you do think you've experienced some success, we still spend most of our time pursuing something that is never really... Because how many times... We we all know like the conundrum of like that next thing that it is that you want, whether it's something to acquire or um, something to achieve or whatever, and you get that, and what do you do then? Yep. You start wanting the next thing. Absolutely. And so it's just this cycle that we are stuck in. Absolutely. It's it's humbling to know and I mean, but this is just the reality, is there is a version of you that was one thousand percent convinced that if they just had what you have right now, they would be happy. That's just a humbling thing to realize. And I've done I mean, a thousand times over in my life. There was a version of me that's like, if I just had this job, I'd be happy. Right. I've gotten it. If I just got married, I'd be happy. I've That's happened. If I just get this kind of... Like, at some point, we have to go. Like, it's never going to work. Yeah. It's just not. And that's where... And, and to, to push back on the idea of that must have just not been the right arrival. I just have to figure out the right arrival... And then when I arrive, I'll be happy and realize, like, it's really not the arrival at all. If you look at the teaching of Jesus, that's the call is the journey. Follow me. That's even even to his apostles when he called them. It was like, follow me. Not like, hey, let's achieve this specific thing. It's like, obviously, Jesus was going to achieve a specific thing. But to all of his disciples, it was like, follow me. That's that's all you have to worry about is travel, like really be with me mm-hmm. and the rest is going to be taken care of. That's always the focus he gave his disciples. Follow, follow. And and the more that I worry about the journey of like, am I just following and have that be my gauge of where I'm at, there's just so much more joy. But man, am I really bad at remembering that? Really bad. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's um, kind of sobering uh, to talk about and to think about. Um, 
Well, and I think, because we ended just talking about the man who, who found the treasure in the field and in his gladness, like, sold everything he had to have it. And, you know, I just really wanted to cast the vision of, like, the cost is not Jesus being like, I want to take stuff from you or I'm poor, I need your money. It's like, he wants you to be free to follow him. And he understands that, like, the world has things that are holding you there that are not, you're not free to, to, to follow him. He knows that that is, that's the good life, is freedom to follow Jesus. That's the good life. It has nothing to do with circumstances. It's, I am free to follow you. Nothing's holding me back. And so he's, he's crying out to us to pay the cost, not because he wants something from us, but because those things are holding us. It's a trap that's holding us in place. I mean, it's like the reality is, and talking about a sobering thought, is that for most of us, it is. It's like a bear trap. We're trapped, and we hear the call to follow Jesus, and there's something in us that deeply yearns to follow, but we're simply not free to follow him because we have these things that we've held on to that we just won't let go. And um, I believe it was John Bevere in his book, um, The Bait of Satan, yeah. where he talks about how offenses, becoming offended is one of like the main traps. And he talks about how there there was a tribe that made this monkey trap where they'd take like coconut shells or something and they would, they would put a hole in it small enough that if you kind of put your hand in a certain way you could get it through there and they would put some really good food that that monkeys wanted to eat um but the hole was too small to once you grabbed it you couldn't pull your hand out with a fist and so it the monkeys would literally stay there because they refused to let go of this thing that they wanted and so then the hunters would just come and just hit them on the head and kill them because <laughs> even with the hunters coming they would not let go. They had become so attached to this thing. And I just think like that's where so many of us are at is it's like we're trapped, but at any point we could let go. But again, it's, it's hard because I'm, I'm not telling everyone go and sell everything. It's like yeah. you, you have to do the work to figure out what is that thing that I'm holding on to that I have to let go of and choose to let go and it's not the answer is not selling everything you own unless jesus is telling you but again i don't think he is but for most of us there's a few very specific things that are holding us there so i i kind of feel like we often view faith in jesus like following him like letting go of everything and following him is contingent on actually like letting go of everything before we follow him and and by letting go of everything like i think what he's talking about first and foremost is like a heart posture thing not necessarily i mean i want to be careful because i do believe that it often means like actually letting go of something or some things in your life that are just a huge hindrance but i think we tend to just camp out on that that part of it like we have to physically and and we get crippled by that and we're like I, I can't right now I can't figure out how to how to because I'm just tied up in all these things and and so then we end up 
crippled by that and and actually not following him. Yeah. Because it just seemed it's like too hard. Like we may want to in our mind, but we actually don't because we just can't like fathom how to actually. We're just caught in this trap. Yes. And and I and I think that's a mistake that a lot of Christians, including myself, make is thinking that we have to get all that stuff figured out before we can actually. Yes. And then we never actually get around to like truly following him and finding the freedom yes. in him because we just can't let go of those things. Yes. Well, and and I think you're one hundred percent right because you don't have to physically sell everything you have before you you follow Jesus it's it's you have to view everything you have as like it being given to you by God for you to manage and so that's why I'm I tell people like you don't go and sell everything because it could be that God gave you that thing because he wants you to be a steward of that and there's something he wants to use from that and if you sell it now like you can't be used in that way. But it's this idea of like, if, if you work for somebody and they, they put you in charge of like all this stuff, like you, they can have that back whenever they want. It doesn't mean you sell it yeah. as soon as they leave. It's just like, I'm stewarding this for you. But the second you're like, Hey, that, that thing that I asked you to take care of, I want that back now. You'd be like, okay, awesome. I tried to do my best stewarding it, but that's yours. And instead of feeling like this is mine and you're asking me to like give up this thing that I have, it's like, no, all this is yours and I'm going to steward it and I'm not going to like sell it just for fun because you might want me to use this in some way. So I'm going to steward it, but I live in the understanding that this is yours to begin with. And so as soon as you're like, hey, give that up because I need you to do something else. You're like, yeah, okay, this is yours anyways. I'm excited for what the next thing is that you have in store. But we tend to get so attached to the things he's given us to steward that when he's like, okay, I need you to give that up so it's you're free to do this new thing. We're like, but no, this is mine. And, and we get trapped. And I think it's like you said, it's just a heart posture of like, I'm, I'm willing to give anything up to follow but that doesn't necessarily mean i'm gonna in fact chances are you're not gonna give everything up you just have to be ready to right if your life is full of is heavy with responsibilities and burdens and all of that um it's still possible to experience the freedom without giving up those things now again we may be led to give up some of those things over time, but very rarely is it like you realize this morning that you have to give those things up in order to follow Jesus. And so tomorrow you shed yourself of those. Like that's just not how life works. No. But so I think the, the distinction I'm trying to make here, and I don't know if I'm doing a very good job of it or not, but I'm really speaking to and about myself. Like all these heavy responsibilities that tend to weigh us down and distract us, regardless of whether Jesus is telling us to kind of thin some of those out of our life or not, mm-hmm. it is still possible to follow him and find that freedom 
with all of those things still part of our life. Yes. Yeah, and I'm glad that you're clarifying that because I think that that is a huge, like it's not like, hey, you have got to have zero responsibilities to follow Jesus. How I view it is is it's almost like, because the first thing is you've got to learn what it what it feels like to to hear the voice of Jesus. Like, yeah. and so you got to start, you know, and again, that's where I was like, it's not a good idea to be like, well, I don't really know how to hear Jesus' voice, but I'm just going to go sell everything I own. It's like, how I view it is it's almost like Jesus is calling you to follow him. And so you, you start to follow and you, and you hear the voice and it's maybe a little echoey, but you're like, I, I know it's in that direction. So I, I've got all this baggage. I've got all this heavy stuff. And, but I can move in that direction and I'm probably going to start out pretty slow. And as you continue to follow, the, the hallway starts to get more narrow and you might get to that point where just one of those things you can't keep following and hold on to it. So at that point, you let that go yeah. so that you can keep following. And over time, it's not even about what what should I give up. It's just what can't come with me as I I keep following. And I would say that you shouldn't even start with the mindset of what should I give up? That'll just happen. Yes. But I think the mindset that you should start with is... Um, what am I revering more highly than I should? Yes. What things do I have on a pedestal that maybe should come down a yes. little bit or not be on a pedestal? Absolutely. And that's, is there, is there something that I know right now? That's God, my dog scratching at the door. He wants right. to be Do let you want to let him in? No, he's okay. fine. Um, what I, what I encourage the people on Sunday is like, is there something that you know right now? As soon as I said it, like, here's my thing I won't give up. Because then you can start to work on that. If you know I have an idol in my life, there's something I'm holding on to that, like, I will not let go of, Mm -hmm. you can start to work on that. Not that you have to give that up right now, but you can start to work on your heart because the Bible is pretty clear that God won't relent until he has it all. Like, if you have something that you're going... Nope, not this. This is untouchable, God. Not that he's going to come and like violently take it away from you. but And it's not that even necessarily you're going to have to give it up, but your heart has to get to a place where you're willing to. You know, right. I even look at the story of Abraham and Isaac. Of like, he saved Isaac. He didn't actually want Abraham to kill him, but it was like, your heart needs to be willing to yeah. give up anything. And, and so it's like, there's times where, again, I'm, like you said, I'm not saying start with giving everything up, but if you know, and for most of us, we pretty quickly have at least one thing that we're like, yeah, this is going to be a problem. Like this is something to just start working on that. Why is it I'm holding so tightly onto this? Where am I not trusting God that makes me not willing to let this go, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think it starts out with just a very honest conversation with God and just saying like, Hey God, I I know that I'm allowing all this stuff yeah. to stack up and get in the way, get between us. Yeah. And I'm going to go through this process of pursuing you mm-hmm. and during the process, I'm aware of the fact that you might point out a couple things that I need to weed out of my life mm-hmm. and I'm going to just tell you from the start that I'm okay with that, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. And I think that's how it starts and that is easier said than done. 
Yeah. I don't know why my dog wants to get in here so bad, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, it does not going to bother me if you want to let him in, but I agree. And I think like the reality is we are going to need God's help. We can't do this on our own. And I think that's where even going back to the rich young ruler where Jesus was like, here's what you need to do sell everything you own. I think if he would have been like, I need your help. I, I, I can't, I'm not there. Help me, help mm-hmm. me get there. I think Jesus would have, but it was like an immediate, he just walked away. Yeah. And I think for us to go in and to be like, I need your help. I can't do this on my own, but I'm willing to have you help me get there. I think that heart is really all you need right. to, to be able to move forward on that of Jesus. I want to follow you, but I need help. You know, I think of the centurion that's like, I believe, but help my unbelief. And Jesus yeah. was like, I love that. I love yeah. that heart. And I think if we're like, I want to follow you, but I need your help because I've got stuff holding me down right now, that Jesus will meet us there if we pray that prayer. So I would venture to guess that because this is really speaking to me, this conversation, and I'd venture to guess that anyone else who listens, this is going to touch on on where they're at as well. Because I honestly just think that it's part of living this life on earth is just having to deal with that constant, you know, it's just like a rock on a steep hill. It may sit there, it may have been sitting there for a hundred years, but you know that the natural tendency is for that thing to eventually roll down the hill. And that's kind of what it is for us to live this life as Christians. There's just this natural, I mean, there's gravity. Yes. And the gravitational pull is for our life to have turmoil and hardship. And and this is not a victim mentality, but it's no. just understanding what it's like to live in this world. Like there's going to be stuff that builds up that just makes it difficult to follow Christ every day. Yes. And that is exactly why the gospel says what it does and why Jesus told us what he did in scripture. Yes. Because he knew what it was going to be like for us. Absolutely. Well, and I think what we have to come to terms with as well is that right now, you know, those of us who are listening to this living in America or, or a very civilized thing is we are all rich young rulers. Like we all have the type of lifestyle and possessions and opportunities that that rich young ruler had. And there's a reason why Jesus says it's harder for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than a rich person to enter. And why he said, blessed are the poor. When you have less to give up, it's easier to follow. There's less holding you back. So we all have to identify that like, as much as we are blessed here, it gives us challenges to being true disciples of Jesus that we have to be serious about overcoming because we are all rich young rulers. That's where it says he walks away sadly because he had many possessions. That's, we all have many possessions. That's just, we live in a very blessed time and country. And so as much as we might be able to look at ourselves comparatively to someone else and say, well, I don't have much compared to them comparatively to like who Jesus was talking to at this time, we are the rich young rulers. That's who we are. And so we have to take this very serious because our, 
you know, the, the first response we're going to have is the one that he had of like, I have too much to give up. I, I can't give everything up. Maybe if you asked for, you know, this or that, but when the poor people were like, give up everything. Sure. I don't, I don't have anything to give up. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like the, the, the path is, is easier. So I think we just have to identify that like, this is a hard road because right. we definitely classify as rich. So that being said, as we close here, Ooh, that's right, on right, time. right on time, yep. um, not to put you on the spot, but how about as we close, yeah. could you, as, as you close us in prayer, which I'm putting on you oh, now, yeah. but can you maybe do it as an example for listeners, like anyone who is just at a point like, yeah, what they're describing as me. Yeah. Um, I think it always has to start out with a prayer. Yeah. And that's, that's what puts our heart in the right place. And that's basically when we put up our hands and say, God, I'm done trying. Yeah. Yeah. And so can you just lead us through what that would sound like? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Lord, I'm asking you for help. Um, God, you've blessed me in so many ways. You've given me so many opportunities. You give me, you give me the means to do so many things to just provide my family with security and food and, and shelter, Lord, to, to have comfort and joy and entertainment. And, and Lord, I just have so much means. I have so many possessions. I have so many things to comfort me and numb me and entertain me. And God, as much as that's a blessing, I also see that it is a, it is a big challenge to follow you the way I know I should because there's just so many things that have the capability of holding me back, of, of getting me trapped. And Lord, I pray right now that you just start to work on my heart because I know it, it has nothing to do with, with the specific possessions or, or the specific, you know, whatever it is. Maybe it's even just a relationship or, or, or some sort of habit or routine or whatever it is. God, it... It really isn't about that at all. It's 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 about my heart. And so God, I pray that God that you just start to open my eyes to the actual nature of these things I'm holding on to. How how short they they are, how fast they're going to turn to rust, how fast they're going to turn to dust. Um and God that you would open my eyes to just the joy of following you. How how God that <laughs> There are people who would sell everything they have, give up every ounce of everything just to be able to follow you. And God, you've paid for that opportunity for me. You've given me grace, this free gift of salvation to follow you, something that I never would have even had the opportunity to do without your grace, without Jesus, you dying on the cross. And God, I just pray that you help me see the joy in it and be willing to cast off anything that's holding me back. And so, Lord, start to work on my heart. Start to open my eyes to just see the fleeting nature of the world and the eternal joy of you, God. And God, help me to listen. I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen.